Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. Today I've got Neil Tweedy, the head coach of the Rockhampton Rockets, joining me today. So welcome, Neil. Good morning, Anthony. How are we? I'm good, mate. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Great to catch up with you. Like, I guess for the people who don't know, Rockhampton is halfway up the coast in the middle of Queensland. And Neil's, from, from my calculations, this is be your 22nd year as head coach. That's correct. 22 years. Is, I don't know where it's all gone. So... Um, <laughs> Each year seems to wind into the next year, so uh, it has been a long time that I've been part of the Rockhampton Rockets program. Yeah, I mean, that would have to be the longest tenure of anyone at the moment, wouldn't it, or even in the past? I would say it would be. Um, I think Bill Runty coached a long time down in Frankston, but um, I'm not sure if he coached longer than 22 years or not, so um, it, it probably is a record somewhere. <laughs> and I guess one of the things we'll talk about during the, the podcast is just, uh, I guess, the the sustained success you've you've had up there in Rocky with your team. And the, not only that, but also the national championship, which you had earlier on too. So just talking about the history there, I wasn't quite sure. I knew you've been coaching up there a long time. But uh, when I started delving into the stats, like seven grand finals appearances in a row from 2008 to 2014, like, uh, and you won four of those is that right that's right yeah. uh, i won four state championships and the, and the national championship in in 2008 which was the last time that the national championship um happened so we still have that trophy thing covered somewhere up here and uh our goal this year will be no doubt trying to defend that again uh 12 years later yeah, yeah. So how how did that sort of period of time come about? Like two thousand and eight to two thousand and fourteen, you got you guys were in the in the grand final every year. Like how would you describe that period looking back now? Oh, they were they were great times. Um, but it obviously happened a long time before that and our program is we were one of the um the original teams into the State League back in, in 1986. So uh, I think it's taken us a long time and a lot of, I think you build tradition over time and um, you learn things and the best way to do things. And um, and we've had some great people in, involved with our program and, uh, and, and I'm just a small part of that, I suppose. So... Um, Working out what's right and what's wrong, it takes a long time, I think. And uh, we just probably were had the right recruitment program through those periods and brought in some very good people um, and and won a lot of games and uh, had a great success through that period. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, across the league, you guys have always been known uh, as a... As a Tough, tough game, especially if you're playing up there in Rocky. But yeah, certainly on the road as well, you guys have always been very solid. But I guess just delving back a little bit, are you a Rocky local, or are you just sort of moved into um, Rocky at some stage? Yeah, I've been I've been in and out. Um, I grew up through high school through Rockhampton. Um, played local basketball. 
played um, state schoolboys in, I think, about 1987 and then played state under-20s um, in, in 1988 and 1989 under Dave Plaxton. Um, and, then, and then got into the Rockets program through that period, was a player for about seven, eight years, quickly worked out that um, playing behind the all-time leading scorer, Darren Richardson, in the league, I, I wasn't getting a lot of court time and um, coaching was probably the best way to go for for me. So I um, became an assistant coach in, in 1996 under Don Shepherd. Oh, yeah. And then took over the program in, in 97, 98. Um, Dean Vickerman, now Melbourne United head coach, um, had the program in, in 19... Uh, 99, 2000, and, and then I came back ever since that period. So um, it's, it's been a long time. I've probably got a few years out, but um, that's probably been my basic history into the coaching world. Yeah. So when you talk about some of those coaches that you had, who, who I guess, influenced your coaching, you know, style and your philosophy and how, like, what sort of things did you pick up from some of those coaches? Oh, look, I remember back when I was a junior and that Dave Paxton, who was no one for defence. I remember him saying to me um, at the time that don't you kids play defence up in, in Rockhampton. And, <laughs> and, and that probably stuck with me uh, for a long time. Dave was such a great coach back in that period when he was coaching those junior teams. And, um, um, yeah, I suppose it started with, with Dave there. Probably always been in saying that I've probably always been known as as an offensive um, coach. Um, so, um, but look, I was fortunate to be under Don Shepherd, who was a good coach around Australia for a long time. Yeah, in those nineties, and then I, I think you take a little bit from everyone you know. So, uh, I used to try and watch as much college basketball in America as I could. Um, and then I took little bits from, from every person that I've probably had through the program from then on, tried to learn as much as I can. It's been hard probably in regional Queensland where you don't get the chance to go to a lot of coaching sessions when coaches come out to Australia. Yeah. But, um, probably learned a lot from a lot of Americans I've recruited. Yeah. Um, because I've probably recruited the most American of any coach in Australia over my 22 years. We've probably had 30, 40 Americans come through um, through that period. Yeah. So I, I think I've just picked up little bits from, from each person and and, and tried to, to bring that into our program. Yeah. I guess, you know, just talking about some of the – import players that you've had, like, uh, I guess, you know, more recently, Ray Turner. Is it Shahales, Tapscott? Definitely. Yeah. Tapscott, yep. Yeah. Any others, uh, I suppose, what sort of influence, you know, I guess that's one of the things that I've always thought about is you get a good player in and sometimes those recruits uh, on the cusp, you know, they've, they've got potential and they really have a good season with you, but then unfortunately they get noticed by everyone else uh, and then retaining, you know, players back to back is sometimes a bit hard. Yeah, look, that's, that's a very hard thing every year. Um, we do so much work 
um, in that recruitment part. Um, so our recruitment starts at the end of every season and we assess what we had and what we didn't have and how we can get better. And then um, we go through a long process. Landing, landing good Americans every year is, is very hard and um, we spend a lot of time on that process. Yeah. And um, we've obviously had great success getting very good Americans through our program. Um, but but it does take time and a build-up of, of knowing a lot of people, a lot of agents, uh, talking to a lot of coaches in America about certain players. It takes time to get the right American. Yeah. Um, especially not, not only the basketball side of things, it's the off-court as well. Yeah. Um, it's a big move for some of these guys to be coming to a small little town like Rockhampton when they've come from such a huge organisation um, and they've played at such big college programs like Xavier and Villanova and Ray Turner was out of Texas A&M. Yeah. These guys are coming into uh, a town where I know, I think Texas A&M have a, have a college campus of about seventy to 100,000 people. So um, his college program is bigger than our whole town. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it takes a lot of work and you've got to make sure you get the right guy every single year. Yeah, and I know um, there are a couple of uh, players who do listen to the podcast, but I guess just generally speaking, you know, what are those qualities that you're looking for with a recruit? I mean, obviously, it's what they can provide with your, your, th- with your current team and the, and the profile of the team, but can you speak a bit more about, yeah, what are those on-court and off-court things that you look for? Yeah, normally, we go about recruitment and in working out what we've got locally. Um, and then trying to find the import to um, fix the, the problems that we have outside that locally. So um, at certain times we we went through great periods where we had players like Darren Richardson in our program and, and Tony Campbell, guys that played the two spot. So we were looking for, say, an American one. Yeah. Um, size is always something that you're looking for as well, but they're probably more expensive in the market, the, the, the quality bids and maybe the, the, the quality guards. So, um, um, so finding the right position for that player and I don't know how to say this. Um, I don't recruit Americans to come off the bench or play roles. I think we, if we're going to spend the money on an import, you've got to make sure you're getting that player to be your star player. Yeah. Um, and that the crowds want to see something that they don't get to see every day of the week. So I think the American import definitely brings that. Um, but, yeah, fitting in with culture of, of the guys that are here is, is so important off the floor. So yeah. that we can – and we've got great people that invite them into their houses and cook their dinner or wash their clothes and – and try and really look after that player. And I think that we've been known as a, a sort of a family club with yeah. any player that we've brought in, whether they're Australian or American. And, um, yeah, we, we try and fit them in and, and make them feel at home, and, and they normally respond. So, um, and that's why we've had some great culture here. 
Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, also over a period of time too, not just a, a run of a couple of years, but you've been able to do it back to back. And I think that's probably one of the things that you'll probably recognise for is always having an eye for you know a good player, and and then being able to reach out and, and make the connections to get that player interested to come to to Rocky. So, do you have like a I guess a network of you talked about the network of people that you talk to. How do you get the reliable information on your imports? Because we've all heard stories of, you know, players who, who are on paper at six eight and they come over here and they're about six four, six five, so you get a little disappointed at times. <laughs> Look, it's a lot easier these days with the internet compared to maybe what it was in the in the nineties. Um, these days you can pretty much follow a player's career out of high school now. So you can see where they've gone to college. We normally have got a a way that we recruit players that we normally like four-year college players, guys that have been in Division I programs normally, um, that have normally improved throughout their college career. Yep. uh, and how you, you can bring up that many articles these days on, on what teammates and interviews that guys do now in press conferences and you get a good feel on the leadership qualities of, of all these sort of players now and, and, and what they've done and how they're thought of by other players in their team, uh, what the coaching staff talk about them um, and, and what they say is what their leadership qualities are and um, once you add all that up with all their stats, with all their video, um, talking to coaches, you normally get a pretty good read on, on most imports these days. It's, it's a lot easier now than, than what it was in the in the 80s or 90s. Mm, yeah. Do you try to, like, do you generally like have a bit of a view of trying to keep someone for a year or two or you just generally look at it a season-by-season season sort of proposition? Oh, look. We we saw we try and we're looking for elite guys, so we're always trying to sell the dream. Yep. Um, and maybe that's wrong or that's wrong, uh, right. But I say to most Americans, if you're good enough, you'll get you'll get seen to play at the next level, at the NBL level. Uh, we've had, we've had some players have that opportunity, um, but then we've also had a lot of Americans that have then gone on and and played overseas in Europe and had very successful years for a long time. We talk about finding the diamond in the rough a lot of the time where they haven't been given an opportunity, they've fallen through the cracks, Um, but we know that they're quality players. Uh, We give them the opportunity and and then I've had a lot of guys actually coming to our league and then seem to be getting picked up in the Japanese National League. So um, there's no doubt that, that... Clubs are looking at, at players that come through our program because it's, we, we've had a lot of guys that now have gone and, and played in Japan. Yeah. And uh, similarly, do you look at European players as well in terms of your recruitment or you just tend to focus on the, the US players? Uh, we, we only have ever recruited one European. Solis uh, Domlakis, <laughs> who, who came out of Lithuania that was on our 2008 national championship winning team right um and he was he was a great player um but we just just immigration wise it's it's a little bit harder i think to get him out of europe compared to getting him out of america um but 
and it depends a lot of the time if you're speaking to an agent out of Europe or an agent out of America. Um, sometimes you can you can find a European player, but we've normally had success with the Americans, so that's probably the path that we normally follow. Yeah. And with the connections, I suppose, you've got in the States now in terms of the recruiting, is is that working for Rocky in terms of the, the junior players that you've had come through and maybe, you know, giving them a taste of uh, QBL and then they're looking to go to college as well? Um, look, there's no doubt that we it's a little bit different market. Uh, we're dealing with professional players compared to our kids coming through a, a are still amateur and trying to get to the college um, system. Yep. So it, it probably doesn't work that way. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a big believer. I'd love our kids to, to come through our program and, and get a chance here and then, then go and play college. And I think that's the way the league's going now. Uh, a lot of kids having to go over and play three or four years in the college system before they get an opportunity back into what's going to be the NBL one now. Yeah, there's not too many kids under 21, especially in the guard, that are having too much of an effect on the league anymore, which has probably changed from back in the 80s and 90s where I remember I got a great opportunity when I was 17, 18 to, to play for the Rockets. Um, but it's the league's so much improved now to where it was. Mm. Um, and and it's hard for a kid coming out of an under twenty state program now to have any effect on on the NBL, especially in the guard position. You got Will Magne probably at twenty one, but again, he's he's a guy that's gone and played in college and had a, had a year or two over there. He's been part of the Bullets program, and and he had a huge effect on the league last year. But there's not too many guards uh, with coming into our league anymore that. Uh, are playing without the college experience. Yeah, that's, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think it is uh, a little bit, I guess, disheartening for some of those kids to realise that they're just going to need to wait <laughs> a few years to, um, and you know, be patient and just take the opportunities when they come. Very much, very much so. The, the standard, uh, I laugh when I hear older people talk about, oh, the league was so good back then, but... The league's getting harder and harder every year. The players are getting bigger and bigger and the athleticism is getting better and better. And I'm finding it even when you're recruiting Americans, now you're trying to find guys out of, of big conferences who've been to big colleges. Back back 20 years ago, you, you were looking for any American that you could find. So mm. um, the, the quality of the American needs to be so good these days because the standard of Australian basketball has improved so much. So um, Americans don't have the same effect on the league as probably what they had in the 80s and 90s. Um, these Americans need to be really high-quality players in big programs to be even having an effect on the NBL 1, let alone the NBL these days. Yeah. I guess one of the things that we could just sort of move into a little bit is with your recruiting, obviously you talked about, um, you know, the value that those American players bring to your teams, but also you've done a great job, I think, in terms of recruiting Australian players as well. And, you know, just talking about some of the players you got fronting up for you this year, like Todd Blanchfield, Matty Hodgson, Cam Trigar, Josh Spears, particularly I'd say Cam and Todd, you know, like a lot of experience there in that 
in those two guys in particular. But are you looking for, for players like that to um, provide that sort of player-led leadership in the team? Um, look, we're, we're very different to any other program. Probably Toowoomba is similar to us. Mackay, um, maybe the Sunshine Coast teams are starting to be a little bit similar to us, but um, we we know that we're the smallest. We're the smallest association every year, so we know that we're just not going to turn up with with kids who are under twenty and think we're going to be competitive with guys who are, are part of NBL programs mm. every every in Townsville used to and Cairns now with the bullets. Um, we know we have to recruit um, and we feel that these recruits bring value to our program and value to our town. Yeah. So um, look, I've known Cam Tregar since he was 17, 18 years of age. So uh, we've been great friends and um, he's come back to, to our town as general manager and um, now he's now he's been employed outside of that in our town so he he's got it. he knows every player there is in in the national league so we're very fortunate with his connections this year um, to obviously recruit Todd uh, with along with our general manager Wade Rebetsky, a former Mackay person um, and to get Matt Hodgson um, Josh Spears was a guy that we felt that probably is a diamond in the rough a little bit that hasn't maybe been given an opportunity. Yep. Um, so we feel like he can contribute greatly to our program. So, um, and, and the players that we've had previously before that, like James Mitchell, wasn't necessarily getting a great opportunity in Cairns at the time that we recruited him. Um, and was a great leader for our program for three years that he was here. So it's all about finding the right people at the right time um, and, and trying to give them an opportunity. Yeah. I suppose we could probably just move into your team for the 2020 season and just to refresh everyone's memory, you guys made the quarterfinals last year, got knocked over by Brizzy, uh, like you, we mentioned earlier, like pretty strong Brisbane team who went on to win it. And even the year before that, you got made it to the quarterfinals again and, and got knocked over by Mackay. But what are your expectations for this coming season? Um, look, we, we're in it to win it every every year. Sometimes it doesn't work out like that. Um, and, and we've struggled for a brief period in recruitment. Um, but we've always been, always been a playoff team. So um, we felt like last year we were close. Yep. We had a great team. We lost the semi-finals to, to, to a great Brisbane team. Yeah. Um, but we beat Cairns on the road in the quarterfinal, which was a good win for our program. Mm. Um, a couple of years before that, we were the eighth seed and we went down and beat Brisbane, the number one seed. So um, it's all about working your team to the, to the finals. And we feel once you make the playoffs, anything's possible. So injury, I think, plays a big, big role. Um, we ran into some issues at the back end of last season with some NBL commitments. And um, our American Sean O'Mara flew to Japan the week of the finals. 
right. uh, for a trial in Japan. So we had we had no training session the week of our semi-final. So sometimes recruitment can be a curse as well when you don't have that full roster leading into the big games throughout the year. So our goal this year is to have our team ready to go from day one. Yeah. Um, such a short season, 16 games this year. I think we play seven games by the middle of May, so oh, nearly right. half our season's gone by May. Um, where in previous years we've tried to probably get the best import, and if we had to wait a, wait a week or two for that guy to land, well, we tried to get some fill-ins for that period where we've probably changed our focus this year to make sure we've, we've got our full roster ready to go from day one. So um, the goal is to win it every year, but you, you need a lot of luck to win championships and, and they're very hard to come by when you've got 14 teams in the league. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask you, you know, what was the most memorable season you've had and uh, why was that? And I'm thinking it would have been that, that 2008 year with the national championship. So could you explain maybe uh, what happened that year in terms of, you know, getting through to the, the state final and then going on to the national final? Yeah, look, that was that was probably our, my, my best year. Uh, we had a great team. We had Reese Martin, who was probably starting his journey before he'd made the NBL. Uh, we'd, we'd signed Ben Thompson, such a great player, from, from Southern Districts, who had such a great NBL career and was such a great leader for us. We had Stevie Way, who has decided to leave college, leave Utah at, at that year. Um, after two years there, he decided to come back and play in the National League. So he was coming back, our own local product, with with Saulius, our, our Lithuanian, and, and Ryan McDade, who was probably one of the best imports to ever play in the, in the QBL. So yeah. we had a great starting five. Um, we won the championship that year. I think we beat a very good Townsville team. Um, that was back when you, you had to play the semifinal as a one-off yeah. and then the grand final as a one-off on your home floor. So all the pressure is normally on the, on the home team, especially in the semifinal game when you, when you pre-sold tickets for the next night and you've got 800 fans at, would be very upset that their team's not in the grand final. Yeah. Um, but so we won that championship. Uh, we we ended up going down. I think we played a quarterfinal. So it felt like we partied for the week after we won the championship. Um, then went down to Sutherland and beat Sutherland in the in a crossover in the quarterfinal. I think we partied after that weekend. <laughs> Um, and then we went, we flew to Melbourne, had to play uh, Sandringham in the, in the semi-final. It's quite funny that we felt like uh, everyone was treating us like a, a little bit like the country hicks. All right. We were walking with, with T-shirts and, and, and some shorts and, and all these other teams walking with the full kit of reversibles that shoot around and things like that. So I think we were underrated beat Sandringham in a very close game and um, then beat Hobart in, in, in the grand final. A good Hobart team to win the national championship. So it felt like we were winning and partying every week for about a month. So um, it, was, it was a great year that year and, and probably our, our best season. 
And, and I guess, you know, just talking about the NBL One North branding this year and looking back at, you know, that, that opportunity that you guys had to, to play in a national club-based championship, like how important was that for you guys at the time? I, look, I was so sad when after we won that, that, that was the, the last time it was held. So I've always thought that the minor league of Australian basketball is, is it's such a great league and, and all the state-run programs are, um, do a great job and each for to get the winners of each conference to go and play in the national championship, I just think was, was a great thing and it was sad when we lost that. So I'm just happy I've somehow lasted another 12 years to get another opportunity maybe to um, go and play in that. And yeah. I think it's great that we get the opportunity to go and play against the Victorian or the now the, the South Australian clubs um, and it'll be better once um, West Australia and hopefully New South Wales become part of the NBL one again. So they're doing a great job at the NBL level and, and they obviously see the the minor, the minor league as, as a great opportunity for them as well and I think it all fits nicely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely like something that ad- has added a lot of interest uh, to the league. And I think just the branding itself being called NBL, NBL One North really lifts the profile and, and gets everyone thinking that it is a more of a national conference style competition now. Yeah, look, I think it will help with recruiting. It will make it harder with recruiting a high level Australian players. Yeah. Um, you've got the 18 teams now in, in the NBL. Uh, one south that we're all competing for the same players um, so it, it again it's a curse sometimes because you, you, it's harder to recruit but uh, we, we've been very fortunate obviously in, in the group that we've signed this year that we've we've had some wins and, and we feel like we've We've got a very good team on the floor. Yeah, and I, I really do think the uh, the sixth man you've got there at Rockhampton is um, when you play at Adani Stadium, <laughs> the atmosphere, because it's uh, for people who haven't played there, it's a fairly intense sort of environment and you get a lot of hometown support. So how important is that for you guys in terms of you know being able to have a team that just turns up every week and, and gives the, the local crowd what they want to see? Oh, I think it's huge. So um, we've pretty much only got two state. Well, we got the foot, the rugby league, and the basketball are the two true statewide competitions. Um, basketball now being Australia wide, but um, our fans, our corporate partners, um, they support us year in year out. Um, and I, we laugh that once you become a season ticket holder, you, you don't want to give up your seat downstairs um, because you can't get a downstairs ticket to our game. So uh, we were going through periods where you, you can't, unless you bought pre-purchased a ticket, you can't get a ticket to our game. Um, and we've had that support for a long time. So um, to get to get 800 people there every night, 850 people, whatever we hold, um, that's an amazing night, amazing atmosphere. Um, not only for our program, but, our, but for our women's program as well. So our women play in front of some of the bigger crowds and probably what they play in the NBL these days. So um, it's just a great environment and our fans really enjoy that atmosphere. 
Yeah, yeah. So we haven't talked yet, and I haven't asked you, but I don't know if you, uh, you're ready to announce anything in this space, but have you got some imports for this year as well? Uh, we've just signed the one. Uh, so Todd Blanchfield's taken up one of our import spots. Yep. And then, um, uh, yeah, we've announced Jarvis Summers, who's um, a point guard, is, is our other import. So okay. um, they're taking up our two restricted positions this year. Yeah, good stuff. So um, I guess last question I had for you is just uh, what's the, how's the draw looking for you guys? And I think one of the teams that – one of the things that probably people don't realise is uh, living in Rocky there, you guys probably have a bit of travel in terms of road trips on the bus or um, just flying to, to play other games. But how does that affect the team during the season? Oh, travel's huge. Um, we, we've got a very hard travel because it's – we don't really have direct flights to the north. Yeah. Um, well, we have one a day, but they're obviously very expensive. So a lot of our travel to the north is is, is been by bus or minivans. And um, um, we, we do a crazy road trip and everywhere. I say it's the longest road trip in the world of basketball where <laughs> – We'll play Cairns on a Friday night. We travel from Rockhampton to Brisbane to Cairns by flight. And then we'll come back to the southeast corner and play two southeast teams Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we play mm. three games over 40, 40 um, hours. And then we travel um, some ridiculous amount of kilometres, something yeah, like 4,000 kilometres in, in the weekend. So yeah. uh, I, I don't think any team in any league in the world is doing that sort of road trip. <laughs> no. And it is, it is purely based um, on money. So yeah. our league, we everyone talks about having lots of money. Our travel cost is, is a huge part of our program. And mm. um do those road trips it's a huge effort that we have to do it that way just to save some cost and then previously we've we did our last um, last year our road trips we played Mackay Townsville on a double header we travelled by van and then uh, we had to go to Cairns for the quarter final and due to playing cost being over $1,200 a person we had to do our lot of our players by car, well, we took a minivan and drove everyone up another 14 hours by van up to Cairns and back. So they were doing this over two weekends. Yeah. The, the travel the travel in our league is something uh, you've got to get used to very quickly. Yeah. And do you prepare the players for that sort of stuff? Or uh, I know, you know, like six, eight, six foot eight, six foot nine players sitting in a uh, minivan isn't much fun for 12 hours? No. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's hard. Uh, we did travel, like the players did leave, like we got back from Townsville um, like on Sunday night on, on the road trip and then the guys were back in the van on the Wednesday to, to get to Cairns. So we gave them, uh, sorry, Thursday, to give them sort of that extra day recovery of, of just being in a car for that long. You, you need a full day is probably not long enough. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very hard and it's hard on the players. And um, 
they do a great job every year doing handling that travel trip. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's probably like like we said earlier, something people don't appreciate is just how much travel's involved. And I think I was talking to Mick Downer or one of my other guests, and they were talking about the Perth Wildcats and the travel they have, and it's just yeah, massive. Like in terms of the amount of k's they they travel and the amount of time that the the team spends travelling. So yeah, um, I suppose you've got to have a good team that's together, uh, culture wise, to, to be able to handle living with each other for, for such long periods of time and being together. And I suppose that's part of, of putting your team together every year that you've you got to be comfortable as a group and uh, yeah. because you do spend long trips with each other. Yeah, yeah. Lots of card games. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anything, uh, I guess just in terms of the, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the current NBL season and anything you're seeing there in terms of the way teams are playing or things you might look at trying or, you know, how, how players are being used that, that look a little bit interesting? Yeah, look, I, I do watch a little bit. The style of play, I think, of basketball has changed. Um, Brisbane's probably a great example of, of the style of play and what Andre does with his team is an amazing. Um, I, I, I like to follow the Boomers and, and his coaching. So um, I think the game is turning into a, a one, one and five man, and, and the two, three, four are, are all interchangeable positions, especially yeah. defensively now. Yeah. Um, switching on 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 ball actions is. And, and a lot of actions now is becoming such a huge part of the game and being able to play guard a, a point guard or a big in a switch action is, is crucial and um, that's probably stuff that we're bringing into our program now. Yeah. Um, like there's many different ways to defend the on-ball and it's changed over 20, 30 years. So um, if you have players with similar size and you can switch actions, it, it becomes very helpful. And I think that's probably a big part of the NBL these days. Yeah, yeah. So any any tips on who you think might win? Well, I was, I was sure of the Cairns, but obviously they lost a heartbreaker. Hopefully they can get up and, and win the game today and, and go over and, and play Perth. Uh, always like to follow my former players with Sean Bruce at Sydney and and, and Dean Beckerman, who's the head coach at Melbourne. I, I like to following Dean's career and he, he coached in Rockhampton in, in the late 90s so yeah, um, yeah it, that's another great series and hopefully they all go best of three and we get an extra night of basketball on TV <laughs> That's it. You know, they're a good, uh, good quality game so far and like you say anyone, I think you said it earlier on anyone can win it just depends yeah. what happens eh? Yes, that's right so um, and look I'm probably cheering for, for Cairns because they're the the Queensland team and, and Mike Kelly's done an outstanding job up there since he's had the, the, um, the coaching job and um, he's put a great team together and hopefully he can have success this year. Yeah, for sure. Well, Neil, I just wanted to thank you again for your time this morning. It's um, been great to catch up and talk a little bit about basketball and, and what's happening with the Rockets this year in the 2020 NBL 1 North season. So um, all the best. I uh, hope you guys go well. No doubt I'll be seeing you around. I'm sure we've got Southwest on a, on a road trip there sometime this year. So um, we're later in the season, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up. So, uh, yeah, and like I said, thanks again for, for joining me on the podcast today. It's been uh, great to have a chat with you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, you.
Okay, thanks, Neil. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail.com. That's australianbasketballcoach, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Coach, and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you, and thanks again for listening. Thank <laughs> you.